If you have your Bibles, open them with us this morning. I'm going to go all the way back in the book of Psalms. I'm going to pull out one scripture. Then we're going to go back into the New Testament with several scriptures. In the book of Psalms, chapter 92 and verse 10, it says, Your anointing. Boy, didn't, don't you like to read about the anointing of God? Because when I read about the anointing, that tells me something that I can have and you can have into our life. The anointing of God is simply God's hand touching us. It's the hand of God coming into our situation. That's why a God can anoint anything to do anything that will bring glory to His name. And so when we read in Scripture and it talks about the anointing, then you can reach out and grab that and take a hold to it. Because the anointing of God can help you do well in school. The anointing of God can help you do well in a family. The anointing of God can help you be a better minister. I mean, the hand of God applied to any part of our life has such power with it. Praise God. And it starts off and it says, Your anointing has made me strong and mighty. Somebody give us an amen or a horn blow this morning. Because the anointing of God has made us strong and mighty. You know, during this season, this odd season, this coronavirus that we're facing, it tries to huff and puff a lot. (laughs) It's almost like the old nursery rhyme. It says, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. But you know what? I know one that's stronger than any virus. I know the power of God. And the Bible says that through the anointing, through God's hand, been reached into my life, that I also become strong and mighty. And it says, you've empowered my life. That's the next part of that verse. It said, you have empowered my life for triumph. Whoa. Whatever it is that we're going through, whatever it is that we're facing, we have the power of God through the anointing of God that's empowered us for triumph. Well, how many want to try on some of that? Aren't you tired of of wearing the discouraged clothes, the depressed clothes, the fearful clothes? Let's put on some triumphant clothes for the glory of God. Amen. Now I want to go all the way over to the book of Matthew, chapter 3 and verse 11. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're in a series here on the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, it is so powerful because literally the Holy Spirit is the power of God at work in our lives. But in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it says, After me, John the Baptist will come, one who is more powerful than I. This is Jesus speaking. It's the words in red. Whose sandals I am not fit to carry. John the Baptist really speaking. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, this is John speaking under the anointing of God, under the hand of God. He said Jesus is going to come, and Jesus is going to have the power to uh, bless you, to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. You know, symbols of the Holy Spirit is the way God reveals to us the character and nature of of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't have bodily form. Boy, I love what I shared with you last Sunday. Then that means He can fit any form of your dilemma to turn it around, to bring it out to a form of victory. But it's so, uh, uh, for us to understand the Holy Spirit, we have to look at it through symbols. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a dove, but much of His character is like a dove. He's gentle. He's loving. He's caring. And there's 
I've already been looking into a lot, at least 21 different symbols, and there's probably many more than that, of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. They're to help us to understand the dimension and the character and the nature and the power of this one that doesn't have bodily form. Because the Holy Spirit does not have bodily form, He can take on your form. He can come into our life. And when He comes in and moves in, if I can begin to realize what He has in, in Him, man, that can release my life to take new measures and new victories. Amen? And that's why He says that the Jesus, when He comes, He's going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, fire is one of the great symbols that God uses to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, since we've been talking about symbols, I've been looking at various symbols. You can just pull out a dollar bill. And, you know, there's so many symbols, it's hard for me to even understand sometimes if I begin to read a dollar bill to understand because it's filled full of symbols. And I've been studying it a little bit, and I have been amazed at how godly a dollar bill is. <laughs> because the symbols that are put on the dollar bill, they're symbols of God's anointing, God's power, the all-seeing eye of God, the providence of God, the miracle power strength of God. And in fact, when our forefathers, when they penned or when they placed the dollar bill in our midst, they placed it with that purpose, that they were placing something in our lives that would have the representation of God. Amen. So it's amazing as we begin to look at symbols. All right, now in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Why were they there? Because back in chapter 1, Jesus had told them to go there and to wait. Remember, we've already determined wait is not sitting in that easy chair. Wait means you're in hot pursuit of what God's told you to pursue. So I pray this morning that across this, the full realm of my voice here, that God is developing a hot pursuit of the Holy Spirit into every, every life. And he says, on the day of Pentecost... All believers were meeting together in one place. Verse 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Now it was a sound of a wind. They were sitting in that house and they were praying. As they were sitting in that house and praying, all of a sudden that house filled up with a glorious sound. Now, I want to tell you what, when God comes on the scene, God brings change. If he comes into a quiet room, he'll make it a loud room. When God comes into your life, if He comes into a life that's sickened, He will come forth with healing. If He comes forth into a life of poverty, He's going to make it be abundance. I tell you, when God comes in, God brings change for us. Praise the Lord. And that's what happened right here. It was all of a sudden, it was a sound of this mighty windstorm. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Verse 3 says, then what I looked like flames of tongues of fire. Now, it wasn't tongues of fire, but it looked like these flamings, uh, it looked like a flame, flaming up like sort of a tongue. It was flaming up on all the people that were there. It says, then they looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Then verse 4 said, then everyone present 
was filled with the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that everyone present is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And said everyone present was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they began a supernatural door was opened. That's the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit. You know, I said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to bring change. When God moves into anything, God changes it. And what happened here, God, when God came in to a believer's life, 120 of them here gathered together, all of a sudden miraculous change. And then a miraculous doorway was opened. And out of that miraculous doorway, a new language was given. It was the language of men and of angels. It was the language of God. It was the language where that whoever was in that city, when they heard people speaking in their language, knowing that they hadn't learned that language, they knew that it was a miracle. Wherever God shows up, you can expect the supernatural to be there. Amen. And said, and then he, and they began in other tongues or other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. If you're going to have the Holy Spirit in your life, there's some things you've got to know about His nature. And that one thing is, you must invite Him. He's not of the character. He's not going to push His way into your life. Somebody say, well, if God wants me to have it, He would make me have it. No, that's not the way the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the gentleman of gentlemen. And if you want the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to have to invite Him. See, the Holy Spirit is constantly drawing praise to Jesus. Though if you're going to worship or if you're going to allow an experience with the Holy Spirit to be developed, you're going to have to do it. Because the Holy Spirit is busy developing our relationship with Jesus. So if you're going to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you're going to be able to tell when He's talking to you, if you're going to be able to know when He wants to use you mightily, if you're going to know when God wants to direct a portion of your life, then you've got to come to terms with that. And the terms is this. I'm going to have to pursue Him. Because what the Bible tells me about him is true. So I'm going to have to do the pursuit. Amen? So he must be invited. He won't plunge into your life. Man, I tell you what, we, we always are looking for things, aren't we? If it's God, then God will come and... No, that's not the way the Lord does it. God waits for an invitation. In the book of Revelation, the picture of Jesus is standing there at the door of our heart knocking. Jesus is looking for an invitation. The Holy Spirit is looking for an invitation. God the Father is looking for an invitation. If you want more of God in your life, then you must begin to open the door of your life and invite Him in. Praise the Lord. Uh, the Holy Spirit, there's four major ways. Talk about the Holy Spirit sim symbol being one of His symbols being fire. And there's four major ways that Fire represents what God wants to do in my life. The first way is represents the presence of God. The second way is God's passion. Passionate fire burning in us. The third one is God's purity. That's God's fire burning in us, burning the impurities out of our life. And then number four is representation of God's great power. We're going to very, very quickly talk to you about these here just a few bit, a little bit this morning. I want to talk to you first about God's presence. How precious God's presence. Most of us, we only usually contribute God's presence to when we feel those goosebumps when He is approaching us or in the midst of worship or in the midst of praise. Let me say, God's presence is far more than goosebumps that happen on your skin. 
God's presence is the power of God to bring change. This great joy, this great fullness, this great power. All right, in the scripture, in the book of Exodus, and talking about one of these examples of God's presence being power, it said, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel day or night. You know, only if the Holy Spirit are you going to be able to travel day and night or throughout your life. What that says is this. There are so many obstacles that Satan is throwing up in each one of our lives. And one of them will take you down, honey, if you're not led by the Spirit of God through those things. The Spirit of God can give you a light to be able to travel through that circumstance day or night. Somebody says, what do I need? I need a mask to make it through this uh, uh, pandemic. Well, I, I use the mass, but all but what we need is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that's able to keep us ahead of the enemy, no matter what or who that enemy is. Amen. Everything is held up and together by the Word of God. The Bible says God's presence holds everything up and holds it together. That's what's in Hebrews chapter one. That everything, everything I can see, you can just open your eyes this morning, everything that your eyes can feast on, it is held up and it's held together. Now, we don't understand this time of judgment or this time of pandemic, but let me give you an explanation for that. Everything that the presence of God is not in is dying. Everything that the presence of God is in is living. What's happened is this. Because as a world, we have pushed God out of this world. I'm going to tell you what, this world as we know it is dying. In fact, that, even Adam's task in the garden, when he was given the task, it was to be caretaker of a garden. Or really what Adam did, Adam walked with the presence of God. And as the presence of God moved through that garden, it would bring life. You know, a lot of times they say you got to talk to a flower pretty sweet if you're going to get it to look good. Well, I'm not, I don't have too many uh, good-looking flowers, so that tells you I don't talk to very many flowers sweet. But I'm just not only flowers. Everything in life thrives from the presence of God. Now, it's something you can't see. It's something you can't feel. But the presence of God into any situation brings life and that more abundantly. So if you want your health to live, then you need to be a worshiper. You need to worship God until the presence of God begins to fill your life. If you want your job to live, you want your finances to live, if you want your circumstances to live, your relationships. If you want to have good relationships, then it's the presence of God. See, a lot of people think that they're, they are doing that on their own. I want you to know, if you're trying to do it on your own, it's going to eventually die. But if you allow the presence of God to fill every part of your life, then the Bible says life will come forth. And that's what's happening in this whole world. In fact, the Bible says it's being used up. Because what's happening as we push the presence of God further from this planet, the more this planet is dying. As we push God further out of people's health, believing God, trusting the Lord, then the more sickness is able to come. So simply, the judgment of God is simply the absence of the presence of God that comes on any people that pushes God out of their life. I want you to just think about it. What in your life is dying? What in your life is not being blessed? What in your life? And then just stop and think, could it be? Could it be possibly that I have pushed God out of my situation? 
that I push God out. Maybe we say we love God. Maybe we, we're on here on Sunday and maybe we, every once in a while we'll raise a hand of praise. But I tell you, the presence of God, having the presence of God in your life is going to take a whole lot more. It's going to take a yielding of your life. It's going to take a surrender of your life. It's going to take you realizing that God's got the direction for your life and you don't have it. So it's just so wonderful to know that anything that I have can live if I can draw the very presence of the Lord into it. Amen? Now, the presence of God, uh, it indwells inside. It indwells the heart of the believer. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was shown as this fire that was spread over the tabernacle. A powerful fire. A fire that would bring blessings on God's people. I want you to the presence of God brings blessing. If you don't have the blessing of God in your life, then begin to desire the greatest, greater presence of God in your life. Because the presence of God is what's going to cause your life to thrive. Amen? In fact, the one it's a very fire, fiery presence that's able to be a, a protective light. See, the presence of God in my life is going to bring illumination. It's going to illuminate the things in my life. What does that mean? I may not know which way to turn. I may not know the next step to take. But if I would allow the presence of God to be of major importance in my life, the presence of God has a way of turning its flesh light on. It turns its light on your path. And you're able to see clearly. You're able to understand. There's a special supernatural understanding that comes in the presence of God. I, don't tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting in a chair so discouraged because I couldn't figure out what to do, either about you or about me or about Elaine. <laughs> and I, as I was sitting there just so discouraged in that process, then all of a sudden, as I would begin to bring myself out of that discouragement, whoa, I'd do damage to discouragement this morning. As I would begin to bring death to that discouragement, begin to offer praise and worship up toward God, then the presence of God would come. And all, all of a sudden into that great vacuum that I could not find a way, I couldn't understand a way. In moments of time, God would begin to illuminate and begin to show me. And the wonderful thing about it is, usually when God shows you, it's usually so simple that you would almost have to be blind to miss it. But that's what we are without the Holy Spirit. We are blind. Do you know that? Without the Holy Spirit, we're blind. We're trying to operate in this world as a blind person. But if I want the fire of God in my life, and then the fire of the Lord is not only in His presence, but it's in His passion. You know the main way to know that you have the presence of the Lord in your life? There is a passion. There comes a fire. <laughs> I think that happened on the day of Pentecost, so real. In fact, the very next chapter after the one that we just read, it said, then Peter. Now, there was a before Peter, and then there was a then Peter. A before Peter, was, a, was he was scared and he was fearful. He was afraid of the things that were around him. He was, he was afraid of the people that was around him. That's the way it was before Acts chapter 2. But all of a sudden, Peter was one of those that was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the very next chapter, it says, then Peter. Boy, I like that then Peter because that was a different Peter. That Peter was able to stand up and passionately proclaim the love of God into a people that only 50 days prior he had run in fear from. Powerful. You've got to let the Holy Spirit come into your life. And one of the major ways that he will 
will happen will change your life. He will ignite your life with a passion for God that will run forever. That will run forever. There is a fire ignition inside of our hearts and lives. Boy, that ignite the word, ignites the word of God. It ignites my love for God. It ignites my desire for God. It ignites my desire for you. It ignites my passion for a lost city. Because it's so easy to push the Holy Spirit out of a person's life. And then to just get worried about you and your four and no more. Or maybe to get concerned only about what's happening on your job and your situation. Let me tell you, God made you live for so much more. Did you know that God built us for change? We didn't come to God because we have it together. <laughs> we come to God because we're needing that change that God can give us. You add fire to anything and it'll bring change. In fact, you can take the hardest of metals and if you can add enough fire, it'll melt it like wax. And if you'll keep that fire going, you can take an untempered steel that is so weak that can't even be used in battle. And that's where many of you are. You can't be used in battle. God wants to make us strong, though, through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can take an untempered piece of steel and you can apply fire to it. And that untempered piece of steel can become a razor edge on the edge of a sword to defeat any enemy that was raised this ugly head. Fire brings change. You can take that fire, you can apply it to water, and it'll become vapor. You keep that fire going, and it'll turn to air. Let me tell you what. We were made for change. I was created for the Holy Spirit's fire to bring change to this untempered metal. I was created for God to bring change to this water that needed to be changed into steam or need to be changed into air, need to change into breath, need to be changed into power. I was made for change, but so were you. It's time to close this morning. I want to kind of close in that way. Lord, I ask you to ignite in me. Lord, ignite the desire in me for the presence of God. Help me, Lord, to understand, man. Pull me up to the conference table, Lord. <laughs> Counsel me. Let me know, God, that my life will work out if I'll get the presence of God burning in my life. Lord, help me to know that the things that's fallen flat in my life is because it's been the absence of the presence of God. Help me, God. Counsel me, God. Let me know that. And this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit is counseling all of our lives that whatever the dilemma that God is single-handedly letting each of us know that things would work out with the fire of His presence in our life. And then, Lord, the ignited passion of God. Man, if you could remember how it was, then that means you're not what it is. <laughs> if you can remember what it was, See, what it was, God intended to be forever, to be the is of my life forever. The ignited passion, the passion for Jesus, the passion to run after God,
the passion to witness, the ignited passion to pray for people to be healed, the ignited passion to believe God to heal me, heal you, the ignited passion. God intended that fire that was started just like it was in the book of Exodus. He said that that fire that he started would never, should never go out. And God has given to each of us the responsibility as He did the priest of that day. You can fake your fire. You can try to get some new fire. You can try to get excited about some things in your life that would be fire and balance before a little while. But God said, it's only the fire that I start. And God has given us the responsibility to keep this fire going.